everyone, and welcome to Hayes' Higher Learning. My name is Ashley Hayes, and this week we are going to get into the very scary and difficult work of healing trauma. I want to give you a content warning. This episode will deal with difficult topics such as trauma and abuse. If at any point you need to stop this podcast as a form of self-care, please do so. If you suffer from trauma, please seek professional help via counseling or behavioral therapy. Our resources for this episode are Psychology Today, Rising Strong by Brene Brown, and The Book of Forgiveness by Desmond and Info Tutu. I'd also recommend The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel A. Vanderkoek um, to supplement this work. He deals a lot with trauma and how it lives in the body, um, and his experience is mostly with veterans, and we'll get to, into some of his work in our parenting episodes. And so I want to open this session with a quote by the poet Rumi, and Rumi writes, The wound is the place where the light enters. So through this difficult work, I want you to keep in mind that as much as we have felt pain, as many wounds as we have, we have more places for light to enter us. The story doesn't end with the trauma. It's simply a new beginning. And so in emotional safety, I made the statement that everybody sucks. And while I believe that, I'd like to frame it this way. We're all surviving something. I'm surviving many traumas, including the death of my father, the transition of my last relationship. Um, I've been robbed at gunpoint. I've had multiple car accidents. Um, I've had the transition of Poetry Slam, Inc., which I was in for almost 10 years, Um, family medical diagnosis, and even financial trauma. And so I want to talk a little bit about the nature of trauma. I think the first step in healing it is to name it. And so let's start by giving language to what hurts and naming violence. So examples of events and situations that can lead to the development of psychological trauma may include natural disasters such as fires, earthquakes, tornadoes, and hurricanes, interpersonal violence like rape, child abuse, or the suicide of a loved one or friend, involvement in a serious car accident or workplace accident, acts of violence such as armed robbery, war, or terrorism. And there are also some commonly overlooked causes of potential emotional and psychological trauma. And Those can include breakups, divorce, ending of an important relationship or friendship, the loss of a job, um, significantly humiliating experiences, surgery, falls or injuries, sudden unexpected death of a loved one, or diagnosis of a life-threatening condition. And I want to go into a little more detail about this interpersonal and emotional trauma because that's the lane I want to stay in right now. And the following behaviors are considered violent and may also cause trauma. Um, Bullying. Bullying is the use of force, coercion, or or threat to abuse, aggressively dominate, or intimidate. Um, This behavior is also repeated and habitual. Bullies don't usually bully you once, get what they want, and then keep it moving. It's usually repetitive behavior. And Brene Brown writes that bullies are scared people inside scary people. So bullies are often people who are moving from a place of fear, but they have the power to cause fear in other people or in society. Um, Another form of violence is weaponized uncertainty. I didn't even have this language until I read it in Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. And 
And when I read it, I knew that it was something I'd experienced. So she talks about things like mass layoffs and how when they happen, managers often use people's uncertainty about the future to manipulate them. Um, So I actually quit a job once because my manager was being unfair during a time where people were being laid off. So people were often afraid to ask for what they needed. People didn't want to take sick days if they didn't get their overtime. They didn't want to ask about it and often afraid to request decent treatment at the expense of losing their jobs. Um, Gaslighting is another form of psychological manipulation. Gaslighting is when a person wants to sow seeds of doubt in your targeted individual or in members of a targeted group, making them question their own memory, their perception, and sanity. Um, So gaslighting includes lying. It includes misdirection. Um, It makes the victim question their perception or question their sanity. So I want to take this time to say your story is valid. Your version of events is valid. How you feel about them. Um, And instances can range from the abuser denying that they ever abused you or um, saying, like, I never hit you, I never did that, you're making things up, um, to the, the staging of, like, really bizarre events. Sometimes they might ghost you for weeks at a time and then be like, oh, I was just working, or, you know, act like, they, they weren't disappearing or unavailable. They might say, oh, I just missed your call. Um, that's a form of gaslighting. Anything that um, sort of creates this thing where a person experiences something, but you make them question their experience of what happened ultimately to protect you and your benefit. Um, And the term originated in the 1938 Patrick Hamilton play Gaslight, in which the gas-fueled lights in a character's home are dimmed and brightened, and he convinced his wife that she is imagining the lights changing, right? So gaslighting has been one of the roughest wounds for me to heal because gaslighting affects your self-trust. And so when someone lies to you to make you think you're crazy or make you think something didn't happen the way you saw it happen and you start to question yourself, it can be difficult to bounce back from even when the truth is uncovered because you've already started chipping away at that self-trust and confidence. Abandonment is a form of emotional trauma. Emotional abandonment is a subjective emotional state. Actually, let me go back and rephrase that. Abandonment is a form of violence that can potentially cause emotional trauma. And so abandonment is subjective emotional state in which people feel undesired, left behind, insecure, or discarded. Um, People experiencing emotional abandonment may often feel at a loss, cut off from a crucial source of sustenance that has been withdrawn either suddenly or over time. So um, emotional abandonment can be somebody not answering your text suddenly. It can be somebody who you've lived with who certainly left and moved out and either took their stuff or didn't take their stuff or didn't let you know. Um, This can happen slowly, right? It can be a person slowly stopping to give you attention, slowly stopping to answer those messages or give you um, a certain level of attention that you're used to. Um, That can be considered emotional abandonment. And so a potentially traumatic event is more prone to leave an individual with longer lasting emotional trauma if the individual was unprepared for the event. Um, That's usually a big signifier of trauma, like something happens and you just couldn't brace yourself for it. Um, It occurred out of the blue or you felt powerless to prevent it. I'm a person who often likes to think, what could I have done differently, right? 
Um, if it occurred repeatedly, such as child abuse, if it involved extreme cruelty, and if the event occurred during the childhood years. Um, these are likely to create um, complicated trauma responses. And again, this is a point where you should definitely, definitely seek out um, professional help or professional therapist. And so how do you know that you're hurt? I think the easy answer to that is you know you're hurt when you're hurting other people. If you find yourself using abusive tactics, um, I'm certain that there's a pain that needs to be healed. And Brene Brown writes in Rising Strong about the concept of chandeliering. Um, it's when a doctor touches a wound so exquisitely tender, as her husband puts it. So it's like when you touch something that is so just beautifully sore. And then that person shoots up to the chandelier in pain. They jump out of their seat. And um, sports are actually an acceptable place for people to ex to dis demonstrate chandeliering behavior. Because in sports, you can yell at the TV screen, you can yell in a bar, you can holler from the stands, and people accept it. Road rage is also another place where chandeliering happens. I used to chandelier in road rage a lot. I'd be mad at the world driving down 78 to get to downtown Atlanta. Um, I also used to chandelier in customer service environments, man, y'all. I was really bad, and I apologize to people that I was bad around um, because it was very easy for me to become the let-me-speak-to-your-manager person. Um, that was an easy place to express harm that actually didn't happen in that place, but it was me bringing it into it. And another way to know you might be hurting is if you find yourself numbing. And you can numb with work. You can numb with substances. Um, I've heard people justify numbing behaviors because ain't nobody got time to be hurt. I have been one of those people where I might numb using whatever substance. And that's because, shoot, I got to keep it moving, right? Um, and I used to think that that pain was something that I could deal with later, right? Like if I was hurt or if I had experienced heartbreak that I would deal with it later. But I want us to create a culture where we make time to heal. Um, I think healing is urgent. I think we should prioritize it. And when we prioritize our healing, we can really show up authentically in the world and engage in love. And it's really easy for me to justify being a workaholic because I tour so much. So I have to like book rental cars or book hotels or plan tours or write or write my set list or whatever. But I have to be mindful to rest, especially when I'm in pain. And so now that we have the framework for naming and recognizing trauma, let's get into the process of healing it. So step one was naming, and we got some language for how to name what experiences we've had. Um, step two is getting to safety. Anger is one of my primary warning signals. If something makes me feel angry or pissed off or raged, it is a clear, it's clear indication to me that boundaries have been crossed and that that space is no longer safe. So getting to safety might mean physically leaving a space. It might um, mean asking someone to help me in an unsafe situation. So that might mean asking for Advil if I'm hurt or whatever the case may be. Um, it is always my goal to get to safety without inflicting more harm. I think that um, when you think about it this way, that your safety is just as important as the other person's, then we realize that we can leave without causing more damage to the situation. Um, step three is to nurse the wound. 
If it is a physical wound, the doctor will tell you what? Sit down, you're on bed rest, change the bandages, leave it alone. Um, That was actually really difficult for me after having a knee surgery because I didn't want to be dependent. I wanted to move around. I didn't want to have to ask people for help. But I had to let people love me and really let it heal. I had to take my medication. Um, And I think after emotional trauma, we have to think the same way. We got to rest. My homie Pam reminds me that healing takes energy. And so that means it can mean taking time away from that person. It can mean taking time away from that job or taking um, a leave of absence from whatever those people or places that harmed you. And it means leaning into the people who love you and who care for you. Um, This means giving yourself affirmations to remind yourself of your worthiness and your dopeness. Sometimes you got to watch your favorite TV shows and read books that bring you joy and listen to music. Whatever it is, nurse the wound. Take care and give attention to yourself. The fourth step is to feel what you feel. After trauma, we are at a very high risk of over-functioning or under-functioning. This is um, language I got from Brene Brown's work. Under-functioning typically shows up as numbing. So that's binge-watching TV, binge-eating, drinking. And it's not my place to make a diagnosis, but if you think your behavior might not be serving your highest self, I encourage you to speak to someone who is licensed to make that diagnosis. Um, Under-functioning is sometimes standing in a place that's unsafe. It's not getting ourselves to safety or being vulnerable with people who have not been accountable for hurting us, right? And we'll go into detail about accountability in future episodes. So take space. Feel your range of emotions. Feel joy. Feel sadness. Feel grief. Get really into those. Get in tune with those emotions and feelings and try to manage it without numbing your pain long-term, right? I would judge myself so much for being sad after a breakup, especially if you break up with somebody you know you ain't have no business being with, right? Because that's what we do. We use judgment as our tool. And so I wasn't giving myself permission to be sad and to feel the grief or the weight of that loss. Um, And there's no time limit on how long you'll be sad or you'll grieve. But the more you feel it, the more you tune into that emotion, give it a place to do its work, then the more likely you are to get to the other side. And everybody's process is different. Step five is tell the story. Um, I would say that my healing process was stunted until I got out of my own head and started talking about the things that happened to me. And so I sought out my life coach. I sought out therapists. I started talking to the homies I trusted. I even started talking to my parents after my bad breakup just so that I could tell the story and begin having my own power. And so I would say that this is a hurtful thing that happened to me. And they were gracious listeners. And I And with that traumatic breakup with my ex, I decided, um, he actually decided not to talk to me abruptly. So my throat chakra suffered. And we'll talk about chakras and alternative spirituality. But when you don't speak about what happened to you, um, you can feel it in the body. It affects the body. And I'm a poet and I heal through my art. And I wasn't writing about it. I was judging myself for my emotions. And talking to people, telling the story really helped me to understand first that I'm not alone in my suffering. You're not the only person going through what you're going through. So when we open ourselves and tell our stories, we get we open ourselves to empathy. 
And then we are at less of a risk of being consumed by it because then it becomes a story, not the entire narrative. And so by telling our stories to trusted people, I think we become lighter. So feel free to go back to emotional safety where we talk about telling our stories with integrity. Um, Don't underestimate the power of a support group or spaces where people have shared experiences or stories. Slam gave me that. Um, Girls Growing continues to give me that talking to non-men of color and having spaces where we can talk about um, our experiences. Step six is to own your scars. Brene Brown teaches that um, if you have dared to open your heart and be vulnerable, you are bound to be bruised and brokenhearted. So take ownership of your scars and know that people who never get in the paint, who never do anything hard, don't get hurt. And so it's a lonely life to try to avoid pain. So I'd much prefer taking my chances on a worthy cause and to know that I have the tools to heal should I get hurt. So own your scars. Don't be ashamed of them. I actually get tattoos as a form of intentional scarring. When you get tattooed, that needle is driving in your skin um, a lot of times per second, but you're left with this beautiful artwork. So own your scars, own the things that you've gone through. Step seven is to grant forgiveness. Desmond Tutu writes that forgiveness is the only thing that can transform the aching wounds and searing pain of loss. And remember, in emotional safety, we wrote about, um, we talked about delaying forgiveness, right? Giving it later until you feel safe, but not withholding it. When it is time and when you are ready, let it go. You don't have to forget it. Um, If you believe in karma, you know that people will reap what they sow. That's a universal law. And your particular brand of hurt can't change that. It is the same no matter how how you slice it. They don't just get away with it, but that's not your debt. Give it to God. Give it to universe. Give it to karma. Don't try to do their work for them. Trust me. Karma's been doing their work a lot of a long time and they know what they're doing. They're good at it. Don't try to take that job away from them. Give yourself peace, grant forgiveness. Remember, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Step eight to healing trauma is deciding whether or not to renew or release. In cases where you and the person who harmed you can be accountable and you can apologize and you both still want the relationship and you're both willing to do the work that love requires, I think renewing is ideal. This is from the book of forgiveness where he talks about redefining a relationship, not going back to the way things were, dealing with what happened and moving forward. And so that means facing our truths and mutually agreeing on how the relationship moves forward, not a control power power dynamic where you forgive somebody, but now they owe you and now they're doing things to try to appease you. Um, You mutually decide what your relationship will look like going forward. And in cases where the person who committed the offense is not accountable or they're not willing or not capable of doing the work that renewal requires, I think release is appropriate. Everybody can't do healing work or, or rather everybody doesn't prioritize it, right? Because stuff happens and attention is a limited resource. So you can't give attention to 
everything at the same time. So understand that it's not about you, whether or not somebody decides to renew the relationship. Um, It's based on what their capacity is and what they are willing to do. And I'm a fan of releasing in love. And that means bringing the truth to the table, whether you stay or go. The least we can give each other is the truth. And know that everyone is not ready to do that. And it's not something you can force. You can release by showing yourself love and saying, you know what? I'm not going to let you hurt me anymore. And I have tried my best. Remember the four agreements. Do your best. You don't owe anyone more suffering. You do not have to suffer more in order to heal. And so I urge you to be open to hearing people's apologies when they've heard you, especially people who have taken the time to do the work. It can be rough. But I think um, if we allow them a means to atone um, only when your safety is assured, remember your safety is just as important. Um, I think that we can really begin to heal and forgive and understand each other. So if someone does want to renew or someone at least wants to make an apology or make amends or or give you what they owe you, um, I would encourage you to offer them an opportunity to do that in a way that keeps you safe. I want to say again that healing is urgent work. And I'm aware that healing work takes a lot of attention, a lot of time, a lot of energy. Um, But they say, I think in the Course of Miracles, it says the miracle transcends time. So that means although healing work might take six to 12 months, when we really love and really show up, I think, and really act in our power, we create room for miracles. I am a little over a year past my breakup, and yesterday in therapy, I feel like I'm going to cry telling it, but I don't want to (laughs) cry. My therapist was like, you are doing so much better. You are processing your emotions in a healthy way. And that was a gold star for me. And it really... um, helped me appreciate prioritizing that work and appreciate the time and energy and effort that I've put into it. I'm not done healing. I think healing is a continuous process. We open and we close. Um, But prioritize it for yourself if you can. I think we will be better in the long run. And um, who knew that I could heal from that in a little over a year. Um, a lot of people say that it takes half half the time you've known the person to heal from tra- trauma. So if you have a divorce and y'all were together 20 years, they're saying it might take 10 years for you to get through the grief. But when we really give attention, prioritize it, are diligent with the work, psh, man, listen, in 10 years, you'll be on an island with the man you love, um, with your own yacht and your boat or whatever life you dream for yourself. That's partly my dream, but whatever. I don't want to go off on a tangent. (laughs) So imagine walking around with an untreated wound, right? The longer you ignore it, the worse it festers. And so in The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle actually writes that our emotional wounds are like thorns. We can leave them there. We can get mad at other people for irritating it, protect it, shield it, bite somebody when they come near it, but it only heals when you pull the thorn out. And so I hope I've made this process less scary for you. I hope that um, if you have experienced violence that's caused you trauma, that you take the time to address it, be honest with yourself, reach out for healing and reach out for support. Um, It might be scary, but it's doable. You might get knocked down, but you can get back up in the process. And so 
Instead of a song this week, I'd actually like to share with you a poem. I had this poem on my dry erase board for quite some time um, when I was going through some really tough periods. And the poem is, In Case You Ever Needed, It Is Here, and it is written by Daphne Gottlieb. Take this as yours. Rip this from the book or make a copy. Fold it in half and in half again and put it in your wallet or between the mattress and the box spring, or taped under your desk so it is here if. Know this, what happened to your body, to your head, to your heart is not your fault. It is not something that you caused or deserved. It is like blaming yourself for someone hitting your hand with a hammer. If that person is you, put the hammer down. Let it be an accident. Let it be the end. The body, heart, brain knows how to heal. It knows how to knit back together, how to suture and secure. Let it do what it does. Your body is yours. Your body will always be yours. You are not what happened. Your whole life is not just this. You do not speak a language made of this. This is not your name. Your name is your own let your name be the name of someone who can do the unthinkable. Stands up and keeps moving. You are standing. You are taking a shower and eating breakfast. You are going to classes or going to work. You are doing impossibly hard things. Keep going and keep going. And there is summer. Laugh even if there is rage. Open your mouth and your fists. Tell the truth. Tell a friend, listen to someone else's heart. It is beating a miracle. You are both here. When scars are new, they shine. Be all the glitter you need. Thank you, Daphne, for that brilliant, beautiful work. Um, if you need support, please contact me through DM or Instagram or on Facebook through Hayes' Higher Learning. You can reach me at ashleyhayes.com slash Hayes' Higher Learning. Um, I can refer you to a life coach if you need it or other therapy services. If you need help getting books, let me know. Um, complicated grief and trauma should be handled by a licensed professional. I can't stress that enough. Um, if you dig what I'm doing, let me know through your support. By supporting Hayes' Higher Learning, you make it so that I can keep dedicating time to this work and practice social justice by giving people the tools and resources they need. You can learn more about support options at www.ashleyhayes.com slash Hayes' Higher Learning. Here at Hayes' Higher Learning, we are learning better, doing better, and being better together. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see y'all next week.